This week on Sportsmanlike Conduct, we'll be breaking down our usual Lions coverage as the Lions top the Packers and get back on the winning track this week. We'll see what that means about them for the division going forward. We'll go into college football again and break down Michigan and Michigan State. Both teams win, but the win for Michigan State is extremely huge. We'll talk about if they can win the Big Ten or not and where Michigan goes from here as well. And then we'll actually get some college hoots previews in. We'll talk about Michigan and Michigan State season, which is both about to start for the regular season. We'll break down our opinions on that. And then we'll also go into the World Series and Justin Verlander. Where does he go from here now that he finally has his ring? And we'll also uh, mourn on the death of a ex-MLB pitching star. All that and more on Sportsmanlike Conduct. Welcome in everybody to Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andrew McDonald. I am your host, and with me as always, to my right, I have Evan Petzold. Evan, how are we doing today? You know, a little bit saddened um, because of the news that Roy Halladay uh, died in a plane crash. That That's always rough, but nevertheless, you know, great to be here. Great to be back for another uh, another episode. Elena? I'm doing good. Uh, I agree with Evan. It's terrible to hear something about that, hear something like that. Um, but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. I like to see uh, JV get his ring. Can't complain awesome. about that. But yeah, this is uh, this is definitely uh, was it was pretty shocking. I guess um, he was 40 years old. Um, he's a, when he was in the MLB, two two time Cy Young winner. He played for 12 years of the Blue Jays. Um, I mean, if you paid attention to baseball, you pretty much know who he is. Um, if you were a pitcher growing up, it's probably someone that you looked up to a lot. The pitch because he simply just did the job the right way. Um, it's it was shocking. It came around 1 uh, p.m. this afternoon in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, is actually where they found his plane crash. So I'm assuming that he was flying the plane. Um, I, I haven't seen anything that really confirms that it was actually officially him flying it. But um, after he retired from baseball in 2013, it's actually when he got his license. His contract forbid him from getting that license um, when he was in the MLB, so he couldn't fly. His dad was a pilot, so he wanted to get it, and he finally got it. He's been using it since he was out of baseball, and then... I, now he, uh, he he crashed it, and obviously, or I'm not sure if he did officially, but I'm assuming that he crashed it and died. So I don't know. I guess it's just like life can really come at you that quick. Yeah, no, he's one of those guys where, I mean, even me looking back to when I was young, just just watching him play uh, over the years, I I really remember probably one of my probably one of my favorite sports moments was his his no hitter in the postseason in 2010. That was that was just electrifying for me looking at that, watching that as as just a fan of baseball in general. And you know, seeing the Tigers, you know, still on their rise there too. I mean, it was nice to just you know see him go out there and perform like that. And then, I mean, I remember at one point the Tigers almost dealt for him. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've always loved the guy. He's he's a class act too. He's one of the guys where, yes, he he's a great pitcher. He's a great. Yeah, he was a great athlete. But at the same time, he was also a great person. And that's something that, I, I mean, stats can only say so much. Exactly. That's just impressive. I agree, hundred percent. Um, yeah. So. Definitely something difficult uh, to hear today, especially for the whole baseball community, so our thoughts are definitely with him. Um, But now we'll get into our normal sports uh, coverage that we do every single week. Um, We'll start with the Lions and Packers, like we uh, usually do here with the Lions, and they got the win. Um, Wow. So I think that that that's a good thing. I mean, no matter what, you can't go against that. Um, And the fact that they got the job done, they got the job done. Aaron Rodgers didn't play, so that, that... Obviously plays a factor. Um, I think it's going to play a factor in the Green Bay season. You can kind of see how lost their offense really is without him, which is crazy because you see all these guys like you know Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams who's on the ride, Jordy Nelson, um, whether it's Ty Montgomery or Jones running in the backfield. They have a lot of talent in that offense, but they haven't seemed to be able to find a way to make any of it work with Brent Hundley at quarterback. He just does not look like the guy that can answer it for him. I mean, he did throw for 245 yards in this game, so he was able to find some stuff, but a lot of that came in garbage time because the Lions were kind of just in control the entire game. 
Uh, Matt Stafford, I think he uh, answered the bell very well in this one. Uh, 26 for 33, 361 yards and a couple of touchdowns. That's pretty good. Amir Abdullah had his moments. Um, obviously, the couple of fumbles there by the goal line mm-hmm. led to him being out towards the end, but the 21 carries for 40 yards and a touchdown, he did run well until he ran. Those kind of issues kind of forced the Lions to switch it up as a team. Um, I guess, what are your guys' initial thoughts on this game? Elena, I'll start with you. Well, I think that this was a huge win for the Lions, even though it seemed like a pretty pretty easy win, but if they want uh, they want to win in the division, then they're going to have to win out. I'm pretty, I, I mean, they have a pretty easy schedule coming up, so this is a huge win for them. Um, their running game seems kind of non-existent, but, I mean, Abdullah, like you said, he fumbled a couple times, but he wants to be the guy, but that's just not going to cut it if he's he's going to keep fumbling it. So he can't. He's had fumble issues in college, too, at yeah, Nebraska. Yeah, with Nebraska. Bad, yeah. So. We kind of knew it was coming, but, yeah. I mean, he it really wasn't that bad though up until up until this game as far as this season goes he hasn't been too bad with the fumbles but we just got to hope that that's kind of uh, not a reoccurring issue because that could cause some problems down the stretch for sure and that, we'll, we'll see where it goes from here but nevertheless i think the defense was pretty impressive um the way they were able to handle them in this game they only allowed a 311 total yards to green bay but i guess just the fact that you know a lot of it was through the air they kind of tried to make brent hundley beat him with his or beat them with his arm they shut down the running game which is probably the best thing the packers have left they really didn't let him get more than you know a couple yards of pop so they were able to really hold him in check for there and i mean just the way that the lions came out and started the game with that marvin jones touchdown it just right away kind of knew that they were going to be able to control that game they never really let it go from there um only a lot i mean randall cobb was their top receiving target and he had 58 yards with five receptions so Pretty much their passing game is non-existent, and the Lions kind of exposed them for it, I think. Well, one thing that I really liked in, in this game was the offensive line. I think they did a great job of protecting Matthew Stafford for really the first time in three weeks. During that three-week losing skid, we just saw Stafford get hit over and over and yeah. over. And when we were all saying that if, if he keeps taking hits like this, he's not going to finish the season. And I think the offensive line really stepped up, really protected their quarterback. Stafford also, he just got the ball out of his hand faster and was able to deliver to his receivers, and that's always huge. For sure, and I really any any time that your line can actually block for you and mm-hmm. be able to do that, it's, it's big. Um, as a, as a run blocking scheme, they're also very well. I mean, their offense controlled the game. Thirty six minutes and fifty five seconds of total possession time compared to Green Bay's twenty three. I think that that's I think that that's a good sign. Period. They're able to just kind of take it and move in their way. And no matter what people want to say, when it's at Lambeau Field, that's never a place the Lions have a lot of success. So I think it's impressive they're able to do that in the road. Well, I got to ask both of you now. Just looking at the Aaron Rodgers situation, if he was in this game. I mean, do you see there there being a, a big difference in score? Do you think the Lions still get the win? I mean, I know it doesn't really matter, but it's always a topic of discussion. I think I think there's definitely a huge difference. I mean, Hunley, uh, there was multiple times he had decent pockets, and he just kind of like made non-existent, like he created non-existent pressure and like put himself in a bad position. So I mean, if Aaron Rodgers was in there, he would have taken advantage of that. I definitely think the score is closer. I don't think there's any question about it. I think that he holds them in the game a lot better. But I, it's just so hard for me because, like, you can't, like, injuries happen in football. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's hard for me to just take the win away from the Lions and say, like, you know, sorry, guys. Like, if Rodgers was in, you would have lost. Like, if they <laughs> say the Lions come back and win the division this year, is that really what you're going to say at the end of the year? Like, oh, if Aaron Rodgers would have been in all season, they just would have won it. That's what Packers fans are going to exactly, say. Exactly. It's That's exactly what they're all going to say. I tweeted it. That's last why I got to bring it up. No, I saw it. I saw it when you said <laughs> Aaron Rodgers doesn't play defense. Yeah, exactly. You're He's right. Not, they don't have a defense at all. I mean, I know that they're 4 and 1 with them and everything, and they were playing great and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's like 
okay, the Lions took advantage of what they had and they, and they, and they got mm-hmm. the job done. It's, I think it's more in the Packers coaching staff and stuff to be able to find a way to be able to get this offense moving the ball better because they still – You how are you going to tell me that the skill set that they have around them, they can't put up more points or more yards with it? Like, I mean, I know Hundley isn't that good, but at the end of the day, I feel like they should still be able to use those guys in different ways, easier yep. passes. I mean, just – Simplify your system. I mean, we've talked about it with Michigan in college, when you know going to John O'Corn and all these different quarterbacks. When you have a backup quarterback come in, you need to simply just simplify and make it easier for him. I don't think the Green Bay's coaching staff is doing that right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're looking for a guy to step in and just kind of take over and almost do replace the same Aaron Rodgers identically. But you can't. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers. You can't. You you just can't do that. I mean, I guess looking at at myself asking that question to you guys now, kind of reflecting on that, I I, I don't know. I think maybe they get. A touchdown, uh, mm-hmm. added on to the score, but in the end, it's it's the Lions' offense against the Packers' defense that won Detroit that football game. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think it differentiates the, the you know the outcome of the game, but I think it makes things a little bit more interesting. Does Aaron Rodgers probably make the drives longer? Yes. Does he probably keep Green or the Lions' defense in the field longer and you know his off? I would say so. So maybe it makes it a little bit different their fatigue and, or whatever. And does he does he maybe swing the momentum a couple times? Yes. He, yeah. yeah it probably changes stuff. It, it happens. But. The fact that he isn't in there and the Lions did what they did to their defense and were able to hold their offense too, I mean, it's just it's at where the situation's at. Mm-hmm. I think you just got to throw away the whole fact that he's not in there. You got to accept where your team's at now and you got to be able to rebound because, I mean, this team was 4-1 and one and now you're 4-4. Four and four. You can't, I mean, losing three games just because your quarterback's out, I think it's, that doesn't, like, speak good on your, on your uh, franchise at all. I think that it's kind of like, wow, you know, if we lose our starting quarterback, we're pretty much just hopeless. Now, I'll throw this to you guys. If the Lions lost Stafford, where would they be at, do you think, honestly? I think it'd be a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, I, I Stafford's <laughs> – I, I guess – Jake Rudock coming in and playing backup. That, that's who you're, that's who you're talking blue. about right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Tom Brady on the bench there for right? him. <laughs> no, yeah, I think it'd be I think it'd be a lot different of a situation, more because, like you said, for, for the Packers, Rodgers has guys around him that can really make plays. Is Abdullah that good of a running back, really? No, he's not that good of a running back. But he's if, not like an Aaron Jones. Have they been able to make a back. difference though? Has Green Bay's running backs really been able to make a difference enough to be able to free Hundley up? I don't. No, think not so. no, not <laughs> since loss. And I'm saying that I think it would just be that much worse if if the Lions lost effort. So I, I I just don't think that would fare well for Detroit. I agree with that. I just think that uh, Green Bay's coaching staff is just they just need to adjust with uh, the talent they have. Like you said, like it's you can't just. Uh, give up hope just because Rodgers is out. I mean, like you said, there's people, people around him. What are they gonna like? They're just gonna give up now because Rodgers is gone. They have they have plenty of people to use, but I think that for the Lions' sake, for being you know maybe maybe better, um, I, I I would say that the reason I think that they would be the better team still is because they have a better defense. I think that their defense overall is just okay. a lot better. So I think that it holds the Lions in more games and is able to do something with it. I, I, I've never seen Jake Rudock play in an actual NFL game, so I can't tell you how he would do. I'm just saying that I think that they could still do enough with that offense. I feel, like, I feel like their offense isn't a lot of you know deep balls. That, that's a lot of what you saw with Aaron Rodgers trying to hit Jordy Nelson mm-hmm. downfield far or sending their tight ends out 10 yards and going out. Those are hard routes for a, a quarterback like Hundley that hasn't played, or maybe that's not even the style that he plays at. I think if you put in a guy like Jake Rudock, he can hit slant routes. He's in the NFL. Like he can hit those kind of passes. Maybe not with as much consistency, maybe not as good. But I think that the Lions system is a little bit simpler and I think that also their defense is a lot better, which is able to still make them a better team if they lost Stafford. Now of course they have Stafford, so it doesn't really matter. But I'm just saying that it's my point, it's if you make your system simpler as Green Bay, I think that that makes it easier for your team and you could win more games. Okay, no, I and I can I can see where you're coming from there. I really I mean I really think that's a good point with with the defense and just going back to the Packers, it's going to be interesting to see how, 
how they do in this upcoming week. They got to go to Soldier Field to play the Bears. I think that's almost it's that's a, almost a make or break. It's a gut check. For them. Yeah, it's yeah. a very big mm-hmm. gut check for them. I mean, three straight losses, and then you got to go to Soldier Field and play against Chicago. I mean, that's, that's a tough team too. They, they will beat you. They'll they'll take advantage of your weaknesses, and they will beat you. They're not the best team out there, but they've been able to beat some teams this year, like the Steelers, for example. Yep. That's a team they're not supposed to beat. They definitely could beat the Packers right now. Yeah. So I guess uh, moving forward for the Lions, you know, what does this mean? Are they, uh, can these guys actually come back and win the division? I mean, you got the Browns at the Bears, and then the Vikings, obviously, with that big game on Thanksgiving. But leading up to those two, versus the Browns at the Bears, those are two games I think they got to win, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, yeah, no doubt. And I don't, I don't see a way that I don't think that they do lose those. The Browns at home. I, I mean, the Brown, Brown, Browns at home. Browns at, Browns at home is a is a win for sure. I think. Yeah. You know, heading. To Chicago to play them in Week 11, I think that's going to be a. It'll be a tougher game. It'll be a tougher game, but I think the Lions have them to pull it out, and I, and I think you string together three straight wins, and you're looking pretty good as far as continue momentum through the rest of the season. So it's going to be going to be two big games. Really, really, I mean, I've said it for the past three weeks, and I feel kind of foolish for for saying it. I say every game's a big game, but I mean, truly, for the Lions at this point, every game is a big game. You know, they're not prime time games or whatever mm-hmm. anymore, but they're still really big games, and when you get to play in Chicago and then Minnesota back-to-back, that's, that's two divisional games. you, you got to win those. For sure. And I think you just look at it as a whole. It's just games you got to take advantage of if you want to make the playoffs mm-hmm. this season. Are you guys still sticking with the Vikings right now? Are they still a team in your mind that's going to be able to win this division, or does this kind of game, like, does it persuade you enough? I, I think the game, I, I don't know. I think it persuades me. Um, I definitely think the Lions have, have now put themselves in a position to, to make a run at the NFC North. I think if they can they have the tiebreaker. I, I think what it's going to come down to is is their upcoming games against the Bears and, and the Vikings, and really that Vikings game is going to be the big deciding factor in, in that one. So we'll see how that plays out first, but if they can get a win against the, the Vikings and the Bears, who knows? I think that I'm going to change mine. I'm going to say that the Lions are going to win the NFC North. I think it's just clear that Stafford is the best quarterback in the division right now, and there's really no reason why they can't pull it out. And Vikings have a tougher schedule than the Lions moving forward. So I, I think there's really no reason why they can't can't win it. The Lions, Lions definitely got lucky with uh, <laughs> the loss of Aaron Rodgers, but that's what you do sometimes. Like, you know, you got to capitalize on it, right? So mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. I'm going to tell you guys what I've said all season. i got to <laughs> see it before I can actually believe it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I look at it right now, and I do see their schedule. No reason they shouldn't. That's a ten times easier schedule than anybody has left in the rest. Of the, and they they've gotten through their hard games and they're in a position now with Aaron Rodgers out and the and the Vikings only being two games ahead of them. Yeah, two games might seem like a lot, but they already have the tiebreaker with them right as as we speak right now mm-hmm. with beating them early in the year. That was on the road. So when they go to play them on Thanksgiving, that's at home. So as long as the Lions don't slip up these next couple of weeks and they can take care of the Vikings at home, I think they just out out win them by the end of the season. They're gonna be all right. But do you still have that same old Lions feeling in your gut? Oh yeah. Hundred yep. percent. I I, know. I, I, I hate it. I hate it too. I could easily see them losing to the like the Ravens on the road. That's just the kind of game the Lions lose in week twelve, right. thirteen, all the time. <laughs> against against the Bucks, I could also see that being a loss. Those are just the kind of games that in the past I just remember them losing, and I could just see it happening again. I think they're going to give you a lot of hope on um, these next three weeks, and they're going to beat the Vikings, and they'll have you know that that lead going in. But then I'm, I could easily, I think I will. They will slip up a couple times. It's going to be really about how they finish the season against a team like the Bengals, which is just you know obviously. Uh, all out of sorts, as we'll talk about yep. later. Um, and then uh, Green Bay later, they get Green Bay at home. 
that's just the kind of game where it's like, yep, if it was the same old Lions, they'd probably lose it no matter who's there because <laughs> yep. it's against the Packers and it's yep. the end of the season. But there is absolutely no way they should lose that game on paper right now. I think the only games you could argue they, they would be able to lose on paper right now is that Raven and Buccaneers game just because mm-hmm. they're on the road. That's the only reason that I would say they have any chance of losing. Otherwise, it's a very winnable schedule. Like, they could easily win out. Oh, for sure. They won't, for sure, no doubt. but I think that they could. The Lions went out. Yeah, no, no way. <laughs> no way. Yeah, exactly. No way. Right. That it's not going to do it. You know, it's not going to happen. But they, they, they have to be close to perfect. I mean, to be able to beat a team when you're two games behind them this late in the season, halfway through the season, you got to be pretty close to perfect. Okay. So, what do you guys have for your predictions for for Lions Browns? Uh, I go thirty to ten Lions. I don't okay. think it's really that close. Um, twenty-seven ten. Yeah, I'm gonna go 35-10. So I'm, we're all sticking it. I'm telling you right now, this is the Kool Aid drinking weeks. This is this is the build you up to where you're gonna be like, okay, this team has got it no matter what. These yeah. next two games, they're gonna come mm-hmm. out and play well. They give you a lot of hope with winning at Lambeau because Lions fans will be just too blind to see that Aaron Rodgers, you know, didn't play and that clearly made the game as easy as it was for him. I'm not saying they would have lost. I'm just saying that it, it did make it a lot easier. I think it's a lot closer of a game if Rodgers is in there. But nevertheless, we'll move on to the other uh, side of football here with college. Um, we'll start with Michigan and get through what they did because right now they're just taking care of business. They're doing what they've been supposed to do since the loss against Penn State. They look like a completely different team since Brandon Peters has come in. But the one complaint that you're getting right now from Michigan fans this entire week has been, why isn't Brandon Peters throwing the football more? Why aren't we seeing more of him? Why aren't we? Why are we not using our offense for him? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Karan Higdon had 16 carries for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Their running game is super effective right now. There's absolutely nothing that can it seems like can stop it or any of these teams they're playing against. Higdon looks like he's on a new level. He looks like he's at 800 yards. Um, I think he's going to be at a 1,000-yard rusher easily by the end of the season with three games left to go. It's just hard to go against it when it's working. But a question I want to ask you guys, and, I mean, Michigan wins the game 33-10. to I'm not going to go through it and break it down for you guys. It's a pretty easy win. Michigan kind of controlled it the entire way. P.J. Flex got a long way to go with that program right now. But when you look at it, he only had 56 yards, completed eight passes, and he did have a touchdown on that first drive of the game. After that, it's all Kron Higdon and company. Do you guys want to see more from this passing game in the next couple of weeks, or do you think they just keep handing it off and that's that's where, where they should be at right now because it's the strength of their team? I say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The run game has been real solid uh, the, the past two weeks, really, against Rutgers and then Minnesota. Peters went 3-for-3 three three for 32 yards and a touchdown on the first drive of the game, and that's really like all, all he needed to do. I think that might have been the game plan yeah Harbaugh said he might have wanted to let him air it out a little bit more but I think as far as starting the game that's kind of what they wanted him to do drive him down the field score a touchdown and and then let the running backs take over Kron Higdon and Chris Evans and when you got a guy that's on played very well yeah inside. oh yeah when you got a guy that runs for 200 yards in, in Higdon and then 191 in Evans yeah I mean that's you don't really insane. you don't really need to pass the ball when when that's what that's what you have so I don't know I think the the pass protection uh the offensive line still struggles a, a tiny bit uh maybe a little bit more room for improvement but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm cool with the run game as, as long as they're uh, chugging along. Evans played more inspired in that game than I've seen him play all season. He broke through oh, a lot yeah. of tackles, looked like a player that actually wanted to win out there. Elena, what do you think they did? I agree. I don't think you should change it if it's working. I mean, I don't understand why people are – like, why do they have to complain about something every like all the time? Like, Peters didn't need to be a big part in this game, and, I mean, the running game was great. Why, like, why change it? All right, guys, I'm going to argue with you. So here's, here's, here's my thought on it. Not that I would necessarily say that I'm going to complain about it or think that it should be that way, but let's go forward a couple weeks to when they play against Wisconsin, okay? Do you guys think that that running game is going to keep doing what it's been doing all season against teams like Wisconsin and Ohio State? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. No, I'm not. 
I'm, I'm not saying they are. And I don't think so I, either. I mean, I'm just saying I'm okay with the running backs getting getting as many carries as they did. I mean, Harbaugh did even say that he didn't he did not keep Peters warmed up on the sideline. He just kind of let him hang out instead yeah. of making him throw. So I think we're gonna see that in the Maryland game. M- more pass attempts for sure, maybe somewhere around 20. But as far as taking away carries, I don't know. I mean, it, it's definitely interesting because if Peters goes out there and and he struggles and he struggles bad, they're going to be kicking themselves saying we should have ran the ball more. It, I, I don't really know exactly how to go about it at this point. It'll also be interesting because Harbaugh said that uh, the team's probably going to have a, a good chance of getting Ty Isaac back. That's mm-hmm. another running back you add to the fold. It, there's, a, there's a lot of running backs there, and you gotta you got to equal playing time at least a little bit. Kareem Walker's been, been pretty decent this year. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an interesting take. It is a very interesting no, take. I, I don't disagree with that at all. The running game is clearly what this team has. They don't have anything else, really, that haven't shown enough to be able to like say you could just put it in the shoulders of the passing game or anything like that. But I definitely want to see Brandon Peters throw more next week. You think, I you wanna, think 20 is good? 20, a 20-23 20 to 23 pass attempt game is exactly okay. what I was going to say. I want to see him throw the ball more because if you don't start doing that, you're going to become so one-dimensional that you're going to have absolutely no shot to beat these teams at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And right now, sure, Michigan is has a very, very, very low chance of winning the Big Ten or getting that Big Ten championship game. It's still there, but it's very, very low. You still want to see him go out and try to win those games. And I think in order to do that, Brandon Peters simply has to pass the ball more. They have to let him air it out. They have to try to let him do more things in the in the pocket and be able to work more because if they just get so one-dimensional, they're going to completely shut down the running game. You're, you're going to see nine guys in the box, and then Brandon Peters is going to all of a sudden be left alone in a game against Wisconsin. I, I did That game uh, time got announced, didn't it? I haven't it seen was, it, it yet. It, but. it got announced as a... I think it got announced as a 3.30 or 4 o'clock. Okay, so start, it won't be completely like pitch black or dark or anything. It won't be a night game. But nevertheless, on the road in a place like Madison, that's not an easy place to play. Anytime the Michigan comes to town, they know that they can beat them. They're mm-hmm. going to be jacked up and all over it. So at the end of the day, I think that Peters needs to get a little bit more prepared. I'd like to see him throw more this week. Now you're talking about Michigan winning the Big Ten East. This is what they have to do yeah, in order to make that happen. They, they have to win out. They have, they have to win out. Ohio State has to beat Michigan State. Then later in the year, Michigan State has to lose to either Maryland or Rutgers. <laughs> Which isn't going to happen. And then Penn State has to lose to Rutgers, Nebraska, or Maryland. And if all of that happens, <laughs> Michigan is your Big Ten East championship. They're, 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 they're champions in the Big Ten East. But that's that's pretty darn unlikely, <laughs> in my all, opinion, and I'm sure both of you impossible. agree with me. Yeah, I'm sure both of you agree. Do you have any uh, sure. arguments there, Elena? No, I have none. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's... Yeah, I don't think the Michigan's going to win the Big Ten by any means. I'm just saying that, I mean, you need options. it's there. You have to play for it. You have three yeah, games left. Of course. You might as well you play nev- for you, it. Hey, you know what? You never know. Shoot. It's sports. If they finish 10-2 and two and then they won a, and they won their bowl game, I mean, then you're looking at all of a sudden the season's like a success no matter mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, the loss to Michigan State would be the only blemish on it really at this point in the, the season. But that that's the kind of way you got to look at it. And I just think if they want to have any chance to be able to beat these teams – that are obviously more talented than them right now, maybe not more talented, but not as much raw talent, more produced, I think that they need to simply start to throw the ball a little bit more and air it out. So do you think they they split uh, between Wisconsin and Ohio State? Do you think they, they win both, lose both? I'd what do you say think? they split. split. I, I think they're going to be Wisconsin. I yeah. really have that feeling they're going to be Wisconsin, get everybody jacked up for that Ohio State game, and Ohio and then, State's going to do what they do every year at the yeah. end of the season. So. I'm going to take, take Michigan over Ohio State okay. just to go okay. against you guys. Okay. <laughs> I, why? I'd like to know. I mean, I, I think they're going to split too, but, I mean, there's been so many, like, upsets that I think Michigan can do it. What happened against <laughs> Iowa? 
<laughs> I don't even know. That and because bad. of that. That was bad. If Iowa yeah, like, can do that to them, I mean, I've why can't Michigan? I've said that every year, Elena. I've said that every <laughs> year that I watch Michigan football, I say, well, this team beat Ohio State, so why can't Michigan? <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's one of those things. But, like, the fact is, is like, they were they were doing fine. Like, they were scoring points first half. Like, they were doing the normal thing. And then all of a sudden, it just, like, shut down. I know Kinnick is a hard place to play, but. We it, saw Michigan lose there last year. Yeah, but it's just, like, it wasn't, like, a night game. It wasn't, like, prime time. Yeah. It was middle of the day. You were kind of like, okay, this is going to get over with. And Ohio State's just going to keep running until they, you know, maybe get beat by Michigan State or maybe get beat by Michigan. But now, all of a sudden, it's Michigan State that's in the driver's seat because they beat Penn State. Um, this past this past weekend, they ended up winning 27-24, kind of kept watching the game going into the fourth quarter, and it was like, you know, what's going to happen? Is, is Michigan State actually able to pull this out? Are they going to get enough chances? McSorley did not have a, a good game at quarterback. Mm-hmm. He, he made a lot of mistakes, three interceptions. Yeah, the three touchdowns, but the passes he was making were very errant. He was trying to throw it into tight windows constantly. He looked shook from that loss against Ohio State. I think that their whole team was. Um, I think that Saquon Barkley holding him to 63 yards, that, that was phenomenal by Michigan State. Showed the true pride and um, intensity that their defense can bring to the field. And Brian Lewerke, again, comes out and plays a pretty good game. I mean, 33-56 isn't the best stat, but 400 yards and two touchdowns, the one pick, that that that's pretty good. I mean, this guy just continues to seem to get better week by week. It seems like uh, D'Antonio has really got him coming along. And Felton Davis is, oh, my gosh, that guy can catch the ball. 12 catches for 181 yards and a touchdown. They have playmakers in this team, and now it's time to actually take them serious, in my opinion. They're not a fake team. They can beat you. And I know that Penn State, like I said, I think this is a little bit of a hangover loss for them. I think that they came out, and at the end of this game, they probably got a couple flashbacks to last week, I think that, or two weeks ago against Penn or against Ohio State. I think that they started to feel that towards the end of the game, and all of a sudden it's like we're just beating ourselves. You know, They have a, they have a ways to go to be able to even just finish out the season good, I think, and be able to get their minds straight. Sure, they have pretty simple games in the season, but either way, it's not, it's not going to be that easy. Can Michigan State actually win the Big Ten? I mean, yeah. Yeah, they, they can, they, they proved but them, will I mean, they? They proved themselves a team that can, but, I mean, I, I don't think in the end they do. One thing that I noticed from the game is it's really, though, I mean, Michigan State, they solidified themselves as more of a, a pass-first kind of team. I was saying all year long, you know, you know this team's going to be be made because they run the football, but really, I mean, Lewerke throwing it 56 times, and he could have even thrown more. Uh-huh. So uh, that just kind of shows you that, this Michigan State team, they're going to let Lurkey's arm and scrambling ability really loosen up the opportunities to run. They're not going to go right to the run to start. They're going to let him air it out and let him you know, work a little magic with his feet. And I think if they can continue to ride that, they definitely have a shot. I think so, too. I think that that's the – honestly, if they if Lurkey can keep playing the way he's been playing, there's no reason they can't beat a team like Ohio State. Elena? I don't see it happening, but it definitely could. But, I, I mean, I definitely didn't see them beating Penn State. So, I mean, they have – they have a chance now, so let's see if they can pull it out. So, so you really think though it comes down to this Michigan State Ohio State game though? Is that what you think it, it pretty much comes down to as far as you know, you know who wins the Big Ten East? I mean, just because both of them are Michigan, five and one in the conference, Michigan could win at the end of the season against Ohio State. That's the one thing that I would say like could okay, possibly yeah. change it. I wouldn't count Michigan on at home in a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. Shoot, I watched Devin Gardner almost walk off the field a few years ago with a win against them. So when it comes to that game, anything can happen when it gets there. But at the, I, I mean, yeah, this is it. I think I think whoever wins this game is probably gonna ride out to the end of the season and be able to get it. Um, odds are, but I mean, crazy things happen in college football. The way the Big Ten's been this year, it's been you really don't know what's gonna happen. It really looked like Penn State was fine that team, and all of a sudden they've lost two games in a row, two out of the three games that you know everyone said was gonna define their season. Well, it's been defined now. So, um, 
yeah, I, I don't know if Michigan State wins this game. Um, I will pick Ohio State to win, being in Columbus and stuff like that. I don't, I don't think that Michigan State will have enough, but they're going to keep it close. There's no way that this game's going to be a blow, and it, it could really be either team's game at the end of the game. I just see Ohio State pulling it out. I see them coming back after that loss last week and Urban Meyer really getting those guys ready to play for this game. It's the kind of game that, that they've won in the past, and JT Barrett did prove that he can win a big game now um, against a team like Penn State. I think with his home crowd and all the momentum at their back, I think they do get the job done, but not by more than a field goal. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Ohio State as well. I got them 28-14. to 14. I think it's one of those situations where Ohio State scores, Michigan State gets the ball back late, throws a pick six, has a fumble, uh, has a little mistake like that, and then Ohio State punches in another score. But I think it's close pretty much the whole way. I think it's going to be close the whole way, but I take a, I'm going to take Ohio State to pull it out. I'm going to go 24 to 17. This is just it. Just reminds me of a few years ago when Michigan State won in that field goal in Columbus, mm-hmm. and like they went to the end of yep. the playoff and everything. You kind of break it back to that. It's almost like the same thing. This whole season, you just keep asking. Is Michigan State actually that good? Can they do it? Can they do it? Can they do it? This year it's a lot harder to believe because they were three and nine the season before. So yeah. it's like, holy crap! Like we're here and they actually have a chance to do this now. So it's just, it's pretty crazy. They have the full opportunity to do it, but yeah, I think the Ohio State is going to get the win this year. All they got to do though is get past Ohio State, and then they got Maryland and Rutgers. So I mean, this, this, <laughs> they, it so, this, so this, this is so this is their game. They just they got to buckle down and. If they want that Big Ten championship, they got to get at it, get after it this game. This is it. It's right there for them. It's on the table. It'll, I mean, the Iowa win just helped them a lot. So, yeah, they have a chance. We'll, we'll see what happens um, going into that game. Uh, the Penn State game was very impressive. I think the way they were able to get the win done says a lot about them. Uh, Michigan and Maryland, do you guys think that Michigan's probably going to get the win there? Yeah, uh, for sure. I yeah. would say so as well. I don't think uh, Durkin gets the win over his former team. They're struggling now. They're one of those teams kind of on the downslope of the Big Ten, um, fighting for bowl eligibility. Um, so yeah, moving into the other sport with uh, Michigan and Michigan State, the one that I am pretty excited to get started here, uh, college basketball, man, it's right finally, on the right finally. on the rim. I We're mean, I, I'm a nerd. Like I, I love college, like for college basketball, I love it. I love watching it. I'm one of the people that still loves it for the regular season and all that it has. Oh yeah, through. for sure. There, there are a lot of people that are like, oh, it's just a March sport and whatever. No, mm-hmm. I love Big Ten basketball. I love watching it all season. Um, just uh, just a quick like breakdown and look into these two teams' season. You got Michigan, um, who will open up uh, their season on Friday against uh, North Florida, and then uh, Michigan State. Um, I don't know who they actually open up against. They've already played three uh, exhibition games um, so far this season, but nevertheless, they look like a team that can you know they're number two in the country. And I think the game against yeah. Duke is going to be the you know the game that everybody's kind of looking forward to. Or it's pretty much like a one versus two type thing. Literally, that's, everyone's excited. Yeah, yeah like, everyone's hyped for it. Like who isn't ready to watch that game? So that's kind of where you're at. Um, I guess just a, a quick like thought on both teams' season. Um, honestly, what what do you what do you think Michigan needs to do to start the season to kind of convince these people? Because they're not quite in the rankings. They received seven votes. Um, the AP poll to be able to get ranked, but they're not quite there. Mo Wagner's back, so he's obviously the person that people believe is going to be, you know, the star of this team. But then you got guys like Charles Matthews who came out and played phenomenally that night, 23 points. There's guys like Rockman and Duncan Robinson who have been kind of just waiting in the rafters to be able to get their chance. You know, p- players like Derek Walton last season and Zach Irvin towards the end even and uh, DJ Wilson and Wagner himself blew up on the scene, just took that team over and took it on their own. Mm-hmm. It kind of left guys like Rockman or whatever to be Robin to Batman. It was just kind of yeah. like where they're at. What does Michigan need to do um, to be able to to be able to prove to people that they are going to be a real team this year and actually could win this conference? I think first things first, a lot of people don't really know about Charles Matthews coming over from Kentucky. You know, he had to sit out last year, so you don't really know a lot about him and what he brings to the table. And that's kind of one of those things where I, where I sit back and I and I look at a basketball team and and you see a guy like Matthews coming in, and you really don't know what he's going to do. But 
he's one of the guys that could be a, a huge difference. He, he could be the best guy in this team for all we know. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people that you know do the rankings and all that kind of stuff they they don't really put that into their their preseason rankings because they can't because they haven't they haven't seen him play a regular season game. But I think Matthews is a guy that I mean, he, he could be he could be a star for this Michigan team this year. 17 first half points, finished with 23 on 9 of 14 shooting in uh, in Michigan's exhibition win over Grand Valley State. I'm back on November 3rd, but I mean he hit he hit mid range shots, slashed the basket, drew contact, layups. I mean the guy was able to do it all. I think he's he's probably gonna be one of the big difference makers here as far as coming in and almost looking to to step up and and, and lead the team and, and be a star on the team. And I think we're going to see a lot of that as the season kicks off. And then once we get into conference play, we'll really find out if he's a real deal. And if he is, Michigan's going to be ranked. This is going to be a good team. North Florida just booked themselves, like, two games against Michigan and Michigan State. Yep. So that's actually who they open up with as well as uh, North Florida. Michigan State will play them on Friday, and then Michigan plays them on Saturday. Uh-huh. That's, uh, that's, that's a rough uh, rough go about to start your season there for North Florida. That's pretty gutsy scheduling. Two but... pretty cool venues, though. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Like, get to Chrysler, play so why not? Exactly. <laughs> um, Elena, what, what, is, what does Michigan need to do to kind of get back on the track that they were towards the end of last season? How do they continue that success? Well, they just uh, they got to play good basketball, good smart basketball. And, I mean, I, I think they're kind of being outshined by Michigan State right now. Everybody thinks they're going to be so great. But, I mean – it's a it's a toss up. You never really know. I mean, we have the two transfers coming in, so we'll see what they can do. They're not they're not two young guys coming in now, so maybe they'll have a little bit more leadership and alluding alluding to those two transfers is definitely a good point because I, you talked about how people don't know a lot about a player like Charles Matthews. Mm-hmm. What a lot of people don't know about is a player like Jaron Simmons, a guy that I watched last year covering Mac basketball. Um, played for Ohio and he, over one thousand points for his career there, six hundred assists, five hundred rebounds. He's a complete player. Xavier Simpson got the start over him, though, which I think was pretty interesting um, in that opening game. And it's kind of like P-line system has been known to be very complex and tough to pick up. And I'm kind of wondering if that's the reason right now that, you know, maybe a guy like Simpson was starting over Simmons. Well, I think one of the things is, I mean, Simpson was on the team last year. Mm -hmm. I think he knows the guys a little bit more. And I think just because, you know, he's been there, he's going to get that start in the exhibition game, but I think it's almost going to be a, a point guard by committee kind of thing where to start you know, you're going sure. to see guys rotating in and out. And, and you know, hopefully by the time you, know, you get to the start of conference play or, I mean, really that really that North Carolina game for the ACC Big Ten Challenge uh, to cap off your non-conference schedule, you, you mean you really ought to know kind of who you're going to have uh, by that point. You kind of want to have that point guard, that starting point guard solidified by that North Carolina game, I think that'd be a good date to set it for on November 29th. For sure. I, I agree with it. I, I think it's definitely going to be something by committee at least to start the season. I actually kind of wrote about it today. Um, it's like you look at it as, yeah, Simpson probably has the system picked up a little bit better, but he's a guy that averaged barely over nine minutes a game per season mm-hmm. last year, only an assist and a half, only a point and a half per game. So he didn't do much. He hasn't seen a lot. Simmons is, got, or, yeah, Simmons is a guy who's played a lot. So it's it's kind of like how isn't he getting the start? You know, Beeline said that he pretty much admitted like we didn't have any like seniority at that position. We needed to go get someone that does have it. I think that you know eventually as the season goes along, you know, even within the first like five ten games, you'll start to see it. I think that Simmons will definitely take over that position in that role unless you know like there's something major that comes out of Xavier Simpson. I just don't see it though. I I, I don't either. I I. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't at all. I, I just didn't see a lot of him last year. Even when he did play in games, he kind of seemed like more of a liability than anything else. Mm-hmm. He's really short. I mean, you got you got to have a lot of like ability to be able to uh, cap over that or be able to get past it. I think it's gonna be pretty tough for him. Here's the thing that I see with Simpson. I just don't see him being aggressive with the basketball in his hands. I mean, you look at you look at Derek Wallen Jr. last year, mm-hmm. and 
mean, the way that guy was able to slash and take it to the hole, the way he was able to, to pull it from deep, he just looked confident. He looked strong with the ball. And when Simpson checked in, yeah, I know he was a freshman, but he, he just did not look confident. So I think as the season rolls on, we're just going to have to see how, how his confidence is and how he looks out there as, a, as an overall point guard rather than just, just a passing kind of point guard because you know John Beeline wants a player who's going to be able to score. Yep. You know, he, he doesn't want – I mean, look at, look at Trey Burke, Derek Walton Jr. Mm-hmm. I mean, even back to Morris. Well, I don't remember what his name was, but he, he went to the draft. Darius Morris. D- Darius Morris, yeah. I mean, he was able to slash and score a little bit too. So that's kind of the point guard that he wants, and I think Simmons fills that role. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only a matter of time before he takes that and, and runs with that. I agree with that 100%. It's, it's the kind of position that – talking to David and Julius not that long ago either, he believes that's the kind of reason why Beeline pursued him so well. You know, he, he told me it's like an honor to be able to eventually play – you know, he's a 2018 recruit – it's an honor to be able to eventually play for a guy like this because of the way yeah. that he treats his point guards, the way that he brings them to the system. You know, it, it says something about it with what Michigan's had over the past few years. I think Charles Matthews is going to be more of that guy, though, than what people think. I think that, you know, you can compare him to a player like Manny Harris from years ago who's like a slasher mm-hmm. and yep. he can almost do anything on the floor. That's what I think Michigan's going to have to look to a lot for them to be able to be that good. Um, is there any players that really stick out to you, Elena? Uh, Matthew, uh, like you just said, uh, Beeline said that uh, he has a, like a – quickness and athleticism that they haven't really seen seen here before so it'll be interesting to see what he can do and uh, the impact he can have on their defense and stuff so he was a one and done type guy at when he came to Kentucky and that's kind of what he thought he was going to be and, I, and I've read plenty of stuff about where you know he had to take a gut check coming to Michigan and how he's not going to be that guy and had to accept that he's going to have to earn his way to get that and here's the thing I think John Beeline when he says about a guy you know, we haven't seen anything like this before He's not going to say that if he doesn't mean it. If he doesn't mean it, he's not. You know, he's not going to say it. So, you know, by saying that that his quickness and, and athletic ability is something like that Michigan hasn't seen in, in a long time. I mean, he means that. So, I'm only expecting high things out of Matthews. I, I think you know, he ought to be a, a go-to player for the Wolverines. And another thing for Beeline, he's, he can go deep uh, in, in the bench. I don't know, 10, 11 guys deep uh, on the bench. He has a lot of guys that can play. And looking back into into past years, I don't really remember Beeline having a team that could really get that deep as far as big men, forwards, and and also guards as well. He just hasn't had a an overall deep team this year. He's got it. I think that mm-hmm. I think that you know goes to his advantage for sure. And I think that that's what I think you're gonna find out a lot about this team as it goes on. Beeline kind of has said it himself. Like we're not good right now. We're not good at a lot of things. We need to get better at it. We're working on all of them. That's what Michigan will do to start the season. Um, we'll be there to we'll be there to see them against Central Michigan. Oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Um, yeah, in a few weeks covering that for you guys, so you can keep up on that with us. We'll uh, we'll we're definitely excited for that trip. But uh, moving on to Michigan State, real quickly here, just kind of looking at it. Everyone knows this team has talent. There's oh, absolutely yeah. oh yeah no no hidden gem. There's a reason they're ranked number two, and it's purely off talent. Because I can tell you one thing that they didn't do a lot of last year that was win basketball games. They couldn't finish basketball games. They looked like an immature team that could not get the job done at the end of games. You know, I think the perfect example was at the end of the season when they played against Kansas. They hung with them that whole game, and at the end of the game, they just completely let it get away from them. You can see the attitudes in their face change. That's the kind of stuff they're going to have to get past this year. If they don't get past that, it's going to be kind of like, you know, okay, this team has all this talent, but can they actually win? I mean, giving them the number two ranking is saying a lot about what people think that this team should be able to do. It's almost kind of like one of those years where, like, Tom Izzo pretty much is believed to have a Final Four bust because of the way that his program's been able to do. In the past few seasons, I've heard that multiple times the offseason, that that is the expectation from the fan base right now. And I definitely think that has, you know, some some uh, legitimate uh, argument behind it. But when you look at it, Miles Bridges, Nick Ward, is, I mean, that's probably going to be the, the basis of this team. 
and everything else that comes around it. They just you know, everything they can do underneath the way that Bridges is athletic. You know, he can he can pretty much do anything on the floor. I, I know it's kind of a crazy comparison, but I've almost compared him to literally like a LeBron James in the college basketball format. Mm-hmm. Literally, when he gets the ball, he can do anything with it. He's he, the way that he can handle it, the way he can any, everything. Just watching him live one time last year, I was like, this guy is seriously a freak of nature. He can do almost anything on the basketball floor. So, is Michigan State really that good? And if not, or if they are, why? I, I think they're that good as far as pure talent goes. Um, I, I believe that we're going to see them. You know, use their talent to their advantage, and they're going to be really darn good this year. But I think it's almost too soon to say that you know, 100%, they're going to be great. They're going to be, you know, Final Four team, whatever. Because I mean, you, you there's these guys are still young. Okay, you got oh, sophomore, yeah. yeah, sophomore Nick Ward. He's going to be real good underneath for Michigan State. Darren Jackson, the freshman, we'll see what he can kind of bring to, to the offense. And then Cassius Winston, he's a facilitator and he can score at point guard. And then Miles Bridges, like you just talked about, the star of the team, and he's just a sophomore. So. I think a lot of these guys are really young, and when a lot of young guys try to gel together, sometimes there's some issues. Sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. And I think that could potentially be an issue, but personally, I, I see Michigan State being one of the best teams in college basketball this year. I, I see them road to the Final Four all, all day, in my opinion. I, I I think I can agree with that. I mean, we'll see if they can overcome the immaturity they had from last year, but I mean, the talent is there, so if they can put it together, I think they can make a Final Four appearance for sure. I, and I think it definitely is there for them to be able to do that as well. I think that the obviously it's a pretty easy analysis, but the 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 gauge for them of talent where they're actually going to be at this year, it's going to really say it all when they play Duke. If mm-hmm. they're able to come out in that game and say they lose by three points or say they win by like five points, that to me is going to say that they're a completely different team from where they were at last year. You know, if they were to lose that game by very you know like little, I I actually expect them to win it. I think they're going to beat Duke. I think they're going to Izzo's going to have this team ready and they're going to prove how good they really are. But nevertheless, if they go out and they lose that game by like 15 points, 20 points, that's still going to tell me this team has a long way to go, even going to the Big Ten uh, schedule. But man, I mean, I look at their schedule in the non-conference this year. This is not a Tom Izzo-like schedule. I mean, he's got sure he's got Duke on there to start, but after that, Notre Dame is probably the only other opponent. I mean, maybe UConn or Oregon, you could argue, but neither one of them are as good as they've been in the past. The Oregon lost a lot of players last year. They're not as good as they've been in the past. I mean, there are two Big Ten games, which is kind of like what the, the the schedule changing this year, where the non-conference actually has two um, Big Ten basketball games in early or late November, early December. I mean, for them, it's it's uh, Nebraska and Rutgers, so like that's not a challenge for them. They pretty much have it set up to have a great record going into Big Ten play. So if they can get past teams like Notre Dame and uh, Duke and be able to go with a lot of confidence, I don't see them having much of a problem to be able to, you know, kind of start rolling through the Big Ten. Yeah, and I mean, I think the fact that Michigan has I was North Carolina out after this, <laughs> North Carolina, UCLA, and, and Texas. Beeline said it's the hardest stretch he's had since he's been at Michigan. I mean, I mean, really, you want to take a look at that? You have North Carolina, Indiana, Ohio State, UCLA, Texas, and Notre Dame probably, and and Notre Dame in that. Uh, There's no way they're going to lose the in that Jim that Howie invitation. So, yeah, <laughs> so LSU. Jeez, man. I mean, it, it's like big name schools. I mean, in the two that like you mentioned with the Big Ten, Indiana, Ohio State. I mean, like that's insane. Michigan has a tough a tough schedule to go about to start off the season. Well, I mean, and I mean, not to give Central Michigan too much credit, but there's I mean, their second game of the season is against a Division One program. Yeah, pretty darn good. Yeah. I mean, Central Michigan is not an awful, awful basketball team, and I would say they're they're pretty par. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, to, to say we'll find least, out more. <laughs> we'll find out more. They did uh, they did struggle against. Keno uh, Davis North talks highly though. Yeah, exactly. No, he thinks they're going to be good. So, I mean, nevertheless, we'll, we'll see what happens when that game comes about. But 
you're right because that is still a Division One school. It's not like it you're is. not scheduling like the, you're not. I'm purposely scheduling a like super easy opponent. Now, mm-hmm. granted, we you know we just lost the the nation's leading score here at Central and everything. So, I mean, it's it's not a it's not a Southern Utah, Houston Baptist, Long <laughs> Beach State. <laughs> One of Come those on schools, the Little Sisters of Mary, whatever That's it what is, I'm saying. playing against. That's what I'm saying they're not playing those teams. So. I, I think we both I think we're all kind of at the same thing right now where Michigan still has a lot to prove and they're gonna have a tough schedule to start the season. We'll see how they can come out of that. That'll tell us I think really how we know where Michigan's gonna be. Michigan State, this Duke game means it all for them. If they can win that game and get past that, Michigan State's gonna be undefeated for a while this season before they even face having a loss. So um we'll, we'll see how that goes and we'll definitely follow it as it keeps going. But we're gonna end the show with our uh, stud and dud here for the week. Um Evan, I want you to start with your stud for me. My stud, Shane Morris from Central Michigan. Heck yeah. He had an outstanding game against Western Michigan in the pouring rain, threw the ball pretty well, 12 for 30, 243 yards and two touchdowns, but he did it with his feet too, eight carries, 27 yards and two touchdowns, game-winning 77-yard touchdown pass to fellow senior Corey Willis. Really, arguably the best throw of his entire football career. I mean, I've seen some of his high school throws and, and, and stuff like that, and they're pretty darn good, but in the rain, to throw that to Corey Willis the way that he did, he, he threw a dart to him, and he placed it perfectly. Put it right in the hands for Lister. He was able to take off and run the opposite direction from, from the defender. You really can't put it much uh, better than that. Overall, just an outstanding performance from Morris. Listen, I, I came to Central Michigan 100% for the academics. I didn't come here to rah-rah for their football team or anything. So, you know, I don't really have, like, a, a bias when it comes to covering them and everything, but I was at the game to cover it there. And watching Shane Morris throw that touchdown pass and run down the field and celebrate the way that he did – I couldn't help but feel good to myself because of the breaks that that guy has had like until that moment. The guy has caught mm-hmm. every single bad break that you could possibly catch, in my opinion, until he got to that. And to see him make that pass and be able to win a game like that, it was literally like the picture-perfect finish to that game. Yeah. He threw a, a fifth-year senior, Eric Cooper, to tie the game when you know they did it like you know he he has had a tough career he hasn't ever gotten to be able to be the starting receiver and he makes a huge catch the biggest catch of his central michigan career and then he hits Corey willis the number 21 on you know for central michigan it, it was really just like picture perfect to watch well i, I was that. watching from home and i wasn't even there at waldo stadium in, in the atmosphere uh, that you were in but i just got the chills immediately he caught the ball and i saw him running and i i just got the chills it was one of those sports moments where you don't forget that. That, and, that, and that university you know, was you don't forget it. I mean, yeah. just they they were like, what just happened? This is not – when P.J. Fleck was there, that would not have happened. <laughs> what happened on 21 and answer points, that would not have happened if P.J. Fleck was coaching that team. I can promise you that right now because right, right now Tim Lester's got a lot of questions at, oh, at yeah. Western Michigan. But nevertheless, Atlanta, your stud? Uh, Baker Mayfield's my stud. He was – he came out huge in the rival game against uh, Oklahoma State. 24 for 36, 598 yards and five touchdowns. I mean – crazy stats so he, he keeps doing what he's doing he's, he's Baker Mayfield he's a he's a good quarterback and I think he's going to keep that team going in the right direction in the season um his, his conference is definitely something that Oklahoma has the ability to win they just got to stay out of their own way and make sure they don't lose some of those games um my uh stud for the week is Matt uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right Coglin. I don't know if I am but he's the kicker um for Michigan State yeah it was an easy field goal yeah it was a chip shot but at the end of the day you got ice the timeout you know that, that, that'll get in your head when you haven't kicked a lot of the series had moments where he hasn't had success the conditions were terrible so to be able to get the snap down with the, the field being as muddy as it was at Spartan Stadium it was awful and he had a sick celebration too with yes, that, uh, yes, the, the penguin slide right exactly yeah. like, they always have the one where a guy with the, the arm like uh-huh. doing that whole thing they seem to find a way to do it and to be able to make that kick in that moment whether there was a straightaway kick or not very impressive I mean good for good for Michigan State and good for uh, Coughlin to be able to make that kick um, Elena, I'll go the other way for you with your dud. Um, Ohio State is my dud. They, I mean, they should have won. I mean, they should have won the game. There was really no 
excuse why they couldn't, and they just were awful. Understandable. I mean, <laughs> honestly, how – I mean, like I said to you, how, like, it's just – it was the most mind-blowing loss. Now, if, if it would have been anything, I would have thought that it would have been by, like, I don't know, like maybe three points. Maybe it would have been a last-second loss. Mm-hmm. To be able to lose like that, that's just pretty crazy. Yeah, um, as far as me for my dud, uh, I got A.J. Green. So, first things first, NFL, they're not <laughs> suspending Cincinnati Bengals receivers. <laughs> They're not, they're, not, they're not suspending Cincinnati Bengals receiver A.J. Green or Jacksonville Jaguars cornerback Jalen Ramsey. They're going to be fined north of $30,000 combined. And really what happened was in the final plays, in the final seconds of the, the first half, Ramsey shoved Green from behind. Green turned around, put him in a chokehold, wrestled him to the ground and started punching him. <laughs> then kind of let up a little bit and then put him in another chokehold and started punching him again. Until were you watching finally, UFC on Sunday, exactly. or, were you, or were you watching football? I mean, you know, I, I had to check my glasses there on that one. <laughs> but, I mean, the fact that he kind of let him get back up and then just did it over again was was pretty stupid. I think it's dumb to put a guy in a, a chokehold and punch him over and over again. I mean, maybe push back, but to choke him, that, that's pretty excessive. I think he should have been suspended, but he wasn't. Uh, that, that's just a shame. That's that's definitely interesting. That was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. NFL has been bad at that all year. Obviously, we've seen with Zeke Elliott. They don't know how to suspend a player. And then, you know, I mean, I have AJ Green in my fantasy team, so I'm not going to complain about it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he definitely should be suspended. There's no reason that he shouldn't. One guy who probably is going to miss a little bit of time and is my dud, um, and uh, Dylan, who used to be on this show, would probably <laughs> get all over me for this, but Leandro Ball um, was one of three UCLA players to be arrested in China just days before the Bruins opened their season against Georgia Tech. Why? What? <laughs> I mean, just what? Like the, the banner of college basketball now for the next few days, leading up to the start of the season, which is a huge disappointment because, man, I would just like to hear more about the games that I'm going to be watching. Instead, I'm going to have to hear about how this guy tried to tried to steal some stuff. LeVar Ball must have said you're not a big baller unless you steal. Obviously. That must, that must have been <laughs> right. what he said. Like, are, are you really a big baller if you can't steal things? I mean, <laughs> maybe he's already, like, he's the, he's leading in steals at the university now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and for for uh, their freshmen. I the jokes are going to be nonstop about it, and it has every right to be just absolute dud. Why are you stealing things? Your brother's in the NBA. You're, you're, the family obviously has money. Just, I don't even, I don't even get it. I just I, wonder what was so important that he wanted to steal it. Like, exactly. Come on. I think someone said it was Louis Vuitton, uh, <laughs> something or another. I just, I'm just going to shake my head. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I don't even, I don't know if he's trying to get a purse or like a backpack. I hope it was a backpack and not a purse, but. <laughs> Nevertheless, I don't really understand why why you got to do that. I mean, you see Lamelo; he drives a beautiful car and he's in high school. <laughs> I don't really understand why you have to steal anything. It doesn't make sense. I think it was more or less probably just you know a peer pressure type thing or something. Who oh, knows? I think for sure. I think all the guys were together. Yeah, and they were just like, talking, oh, just, blah, take blah, blah, just take it, just take it, just take it. Yeah, like, why, like you're I'm, a big baller, you won't get in trouble. I'm just thinking, like, I just think to myself like, oh man, why would you not just buy it if you have a lot of money? I'm <laughs> right? sure that guy has a credit card that's maxed out. I, I mean, I can't make assumptions, but I will because at the end of the day, it's probably the truth. So. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to any of us, but I think it's a I think it's a pretty good way to wrap up the show. Um, we'll talk to you guys next time. You can keep following us on CM Life Sports. Um, we'll give you more updates on all this stuff, and you can keep listening to our podcasts. <laughs>